Um, you may have noticed in your reading of chapter four that the textbook talks about internal tables, much like we are doing together right now. And your textbook also employs um, code that is very, very similar to what we have been writing in the, the code demos that it gives. And you'll notice that I have highlighted here a particular section on page 153 that, let me make this a little bit bigger, employs a technique that we mentioned earlier in the semester, which is the uh, dynamic data declarations. And we had talked about them before in the context of you could do something like this, data my var equals one plus two. And in this situation, my var would be automatically, dynamically created in the code and populated with the value three. And the type of my var would be set through inference on the part of the computer. It would see that we're adding one and two together, realize those are integer values, and so the data type of my var would be set to integer or type I more specifically. Well, your textbook illustrates another use of the data statement in the context of work areas and internal tables and things of that sort. What you will notice about this is they put an at sign in front of the word data. And the intent of this code that I have highlighted right here is very similar to some code that we wrote last time in that we are selecting two fields, flight date and price, from the S flight table. And we are putting it into an internal table that has not been pre-created. So there was no previous types statement. There was no previous data statement. What's actually happening here is the internal table T underscore results is being created dynamically uh, in response to our request to have an internal table filled with information. Now, if we were to go back to the code that we wrote when we were last together, so that would hypothetically mean that we could get rid of the data statement here on line 12. Um, we could therefore change line 16, select star from S airport into table, I tables S airport. We could change that to at data and put this inside of parentheses and I tables S airport would be created dynamically. If you look very, very closely at the screen, and it is subtle, you will notice I have a red parenthesis here. And if, in fact, I'll save this, if, in fact, I do a code check, it comes back and says, um, basically, I don't know what you are talking about. All right. Well, here is the relevant thing to know, and this is found in your textbook as well. And I, I don't, did not make note of the uh, page number, so give me a moment here to, to scan 
through this. And you'll recall in my previous comments about how a lot of this is very, very new. Well, as a point of fact, we can go into any SAP system, and this is talked about on page 33. You can do the system pull down, system status, and after a moment here, it gives us certain information about our installation here. And if we click on this guy right here, it allows us to see more information about what is actually installed here. And this topmost line is what is most important to us. We are running SAP Basis 7.4. I realize there's no dots there, but it's actually 7.4 Service Pack Level 4. Well, your book shares with us. Throughout this book, we will cover recent changes in ABOP 7.4 Service Pack 8. Well, guess what is not a part of Service Pack 4 and only shows up in Service Pack 8? The code that we were just looking at, okay? So, in your book, you can look at all of their examples that employ the, the ampersand, or not the ampersand, the at symbol, but you will not be able to actually write code that way. Now, the good thing about your book is, on this same page, it shows you code that looks exactly like what we have been writing. So your book always shows you both sets of examples. Now, moving from Service Pack 4 to Service Pack 8 is not a trivial thing. It's kind of the equivalent of maybe like moving from Windows 8.1 to Windows 10. And typically, our hosting site doesn't like to do things like that in the middle of the semester. I have emailed them and asked them what their plans are and told them that we are very interested in seeing an upgrade to Service Pack 8, but I just did that this morning and I have not heard back from them. It might work out that before the semester is over, we'll be able to talk about this new syntax. But until such a time as that new Service Pack gets installed, um, we still have to write code the old way if you will. The other thing here to note is, and, and I'm not really quite upset by this at all, because chances are very good that if you went out to a company, uh, it's very likely that they might not be running Service Pack 8 either. You might recall at the beginning of this semester, um, the book you're using as textbook was brand new. So, you know, we're looking at things that actually have not been out that long. And typically, companies don't exactly strive to be on the bleeding edge when it comes to their service pack implementations. So I wanted you to be aware of that. And I will keep you posted as to at any point in the future if this functionality opens up for us. So the big thing to note, as I was illustrating here in the, in the editor, um, it does, in fact, work for us to use the data statement, like I guess I deleted at this point, where we just have the data statement on the left side of an equal sign uh, to keep us from having to declare a, a, a data object. This is the more useful variation on that. Um, we don't have that. 
So uh, that is the situation that we are in. And so I will put that line back and I will get rid of this right here. Questions about this? Yes, sir. Roger? That would, you know, the one thing that your book is not, does not make a statement on is when it creates that table dynamically, what kind of internal table does it create? And my suspicion is that it will create a standard table. I was going to investigate whether we had any ability to influence that and I ran into the roadblock of not even being able to declare it in the first place. So your question is a very good one and it's, it's one that I'm wondering about as well. And until I can actually create one of those and pull it up in a debugger. And in fact, at this point, um, if we even, you know, type at data and try and go into the help for this. Um, now that's interesting. Well, you'll notice it, it doesn't actually um, have a version for the at symbol with data. And uh, this morning when I did it, it came back and it more explicitly told me that. But the fact is, your documentation doesn't even know about this. So I have no way of looking up the answer to the question that you asked, which was a really good one. Other questions? All right, well, in our time together today, I would like for us to continue our journey related to internal tables. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that we may get that finished today, but if we don't, the good news is we still have our time together on Wednesday, or Monday of next week because internal tables will feature rather heavily on your upcoming midterm exam. So I want to make sure we get through this very thoroughly so as to um, be able to move on to other things after the midterm exam. We, in the time we were together last time, we talked a little bit more about working with internal tables. Um, we introduced the database tables that we will be working with and talked about how to look at database tables in the SAP system. Um, we talked about how we use internal tables very commonly alongside of database tables. We talked about the way that we can create an internal table and have it mirror the structure of a database table. But we also talked about the challenge with that is it's going to give us an internal table that mirrors the entire database table. And if the entire database table has 160 fields in it, we don't want to be messing with 160 fields if in our given program only three of those fields are our interest of interest to us. One of the things that comes to the forefront particularly with HANA-based development on a column store database is select stars are very, very expensive operations. I'm currently engaged in a consulting uh, contract with a company and they're making this journey right now. And if I had a nickel for every time someone said select stars are equal or are evil, you know, I'd have at least $100 at this point. I mean, it's just something that developers have to drive out of their way of thinking. Yes, sir. I 
select star now select star against an internal table might be fine select star going into an internal table uh, if the book makes that statement first of all if you could point out to me where it is I would like to see it um, because I don't recall seeing that but I'd really like to see what he has to say um, but at first glance I would I would definitely argue against that and I can point you to a lot of SAP documents where they also say that so that's kind of bizarre I think though uh, the statement stay away from select star is a real good one okay um, we talked about um, manipulating an internal table the select statement here that can go out and grab everything and and here after telling you not to do a select star in my examples here I show you select star but that's just of course to um, to make it simple and because some of our sample tables here are, are not very very large uh, we talked about how we can add things to an internal table by putting things into our work area and then either appending or inserting things into the work area and then we talked about pulling things out of the internal table by way of the read statement and remember perhaps the most important thing to note here is any standard table or sorted table will let us retrieve things based on index numbers. Index numbers uh, you can think of as equivalent to record number or row number. So with a standard table or a sorted table, you can go in and say, give me row 5. You cannot do that with a hash table because a hash table has no inherent sense of order. Then we have this issue of retrieving things based on the value of something that's stored in a field. And the observation that I made is we can only do that for key fields. And we illustrated that last time. And so if I have declared a standard table but not specified a key field or set of key fields, I can only manipulate that internal table sequentially. So we've got to be careful as, that, as this will influence the design of our internal table. And, and to go back to what Roger was asking a moment ago, if we were able to use the dynamic method of internal table, how do we know what the key fields are? And I don't know the answer to that because I haven't been able to experiment with it. I don't know if we get a table with no keys or if the keys match the keys of the database table. I'm just not sure. And so perhaps we'll be able to look at that later this semester. I, I want to jump to a, another slide here in the slide deck um, because it will make it easier for us to uh, do some of the things to, to follow here. Suppose we want to loop through the entire internal table so that we can look at things row by row by row. You know, very common thing for us to do we go out to our database table, we pull a set of records into our internal table, and maybe we want to print those all out to the screen, or otherwise we want to scan through the internal table sequentially. The most basic form of this statement would be loop at, and then the name of our internal table, and then the word into, and then the data object name for our work area. 
Okay, so I'm going to shell over here to our editor, and you'll recall last time um, we created this sorted table. We created a matching work area to go with it. We filled it up with data from our S Airport database table. We added Tri-Cities to this, and then we were doing some things here with do loops and, and other things of this sort. And when we did this, I said, this is not the best way to do this. Well, now I'm ready to show you uh, a better way to do this, which is the loop at statement. So I could say loop at, and the name of my internal table is itable S Airport into, and my work area in this code is WA1. And then this will be ended by an end loop statement. So what is going to happen now is we're going to blast through the entire internal table sequentially and progressively write the values into WA1. And I did not want to delete the line that I had there before, um, but I did. So now I'm going to have to do some additional typing here. And so I want to write out, uh, we'll say, um, start with a return. And then I'll write out uh, WA1 dash. I'm not going to write out the client number. So we'll just leave that and I'll write out WA1-ID and then I'll jump over to column 8 and I'll write out WA1-name and uh, that could be a whole bunch of characters so I'll jump over to column 40 and I'll write out WA1-time underscore zone. So what we have now is a loop that if I have my slash and stuff like that, yeah, I always make this mistake, okay? So I think that I have fixed that now. Yep, there we go. And so now when I, when I run this, here's, here's what we see. So this is the entire contents of our internal table, including Tri-Cities showing up here in the proper location in the sort order in our sorted table. So this is the, the loop at statement, which is very, very useful. I can also, I have some variations on this. Suppose I don't want the entire table, I want to start at record 15 and blast through the rest of the table. Well, loop at itable into work area, and I can say from and specify a number or a data object containing a number there, and it will start with that particular record. Alternately, I could say loop at itable into WA2 and specify an index number. That, that we can employ. Now I believe, and we can check this here, I believe we can actually pair those together. And I can say loop at itable airport into WA1 from, we'll say 5 to 10. And I believe that it will allow us to do that. And in this case now it's just going to show us rows 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Okay? And so we can, we can pair those together if that is something that's useful for us. We can also say loop at itable into WA where field equals and specify a value. So let's go back to our code here and I'm going to get rid of my from restriction. And you'll notice that we could do this with UTCs, okay? And, um, 
Somebody pointed out last time that it seemed like there were some errors in this table, but we're not going to worry about that here. Let's see if we can, we can use this technique to only show airports that are in UTC minus 5. So in this case, um, we could come here and we could say where uh, WA1 dash time zone equals UTC minus 5. Okay, and so now we'll save this and run this and um, no component exists with the name WA, oh, I don't need that. I just need time zone. And there we go. So now it's just showing us the items in the table that match up with that. It's kind of a, a minor thing, but notice this is not a key. So there is no requirement here that this where clause be bound by a key. This could be any of the fields and the values associated with it. And so uh, the loop at is paired with an end loop statement, and inside the loop WA is used for creating output or, or whatever have you, depending upon the needs of the given program that I'm creating. I wanted to show this to you now because we're going to do some other table manipulations, and it's really handy to be able to actually look at things um, once we have, have made the change. Any questions about this? All right, so I'm going to back up uh, a couple of slides here and talk about uh, changing things in our internal table. And I'm going to kill off this where clause here so that we can see that now what's going to happen here in the future is, is this is the entire internal table, okay? So suppose we want to change a record or change a row in our internal table. We have a few different ways we could do that. If we want to make a change based on the index number, what we have to do, and this is a very, very common thing for us to do, we load up the work area with the modified record. And then in this case, we say modify index, let's say, 7 from what's found in the work area. Now, you might say this seems like we wouldn't typically do it based on index number. And I agree, but I'm just showing you this as an a, element of syntax. But the key thing to note here is, here's our internal table, however many columns, however many rows it has in it. Here's our work area. It has just one row, but it matches the structure of our internal table. So what would be very, very common is if I want to modify this record right here, we'll say record number three, what I could do, what I would have to do using this syntax is find this record, move its value into my work area, modify whatever part of this I want, and then put it back in row number three. So let's say, for example, that this was Bob Smith, I don't know, his age, 72, and where he lives, the state of Tennessee. So we pull that down into our work area, Bob Smith, 72, Tennessee, and Bob moved to Florida. So we wipe out the Tennessee, 
and we put Florida there, and then we say modify internal table index 3 from WA. And it now has the new information in that work area that's going to go back and replace what we see here. Now, why do I have to do this? Why couldn't I just say work area dash state equals FL and then do the modify? Why could I not do that? Well, I specified, at least I intended to specify the index. So that wouldn't happen, but what would happen? Keep in mind this is internal table, which exists only in the life of my program, so I don't have to worry about that. I would have to worry about a potential database table. But what I wanted you to see is when we create the work area, initially it, it's empty. And so using this syntax right here, if I say, okay, put FL in here, and then modify index 3 based on this work area, I just wiped out Bob Smith 72. So when I use this kind of syntax, I have to be very, very careful that I know what's in my work area. Because all this is going to do is take my work area and essentially slide it up in position number 3 in my internal table without regard for what's actually there. Understand that. All right, so let me show you how to solve that. Here's a way that I could solve that. Modify internal table. We're still working with the index numbers in this example from my work area. But now I specify the fields that I want to be involved in this modification. And I do that through the use of the transporting statement transporting, and then I list the field. So in this case, if I populated my work area here with the state of Florida, and then I said modify this from the work area, transporting state, then the only thing that's going to change is the state from this work area is going to go into index number three. But that transporting keyword has to be there or I will very likely have shot myself in the foot in the process, okay? So this also comes into play where it's very, very important for me to know what's in my work area at any given point in my program. You'll notice here, after line 21, I have put um, the values here for Tri-Cities Airport into my work area, and then I've inserted it into the internal table. Well, that, the, that data is still there. So if I were to now come back and say, oh, I want to modify uh, one of the existing airports, and I did this, WA1-ID um, equals, and we'll just make it really easy to find, XXX, okay? Now, the Tri-Cities Regional Airport is still there, as is the UTC minus 5 is still there. So if I were now to say modify I table S airport, I should have picked a shorter table name there, uh, index, and we'll just pick on the first record to make it simple, index 1 from WA, and now we run this. Notice what's happening here. Oh, field, oh, 
WA1 is what I'm calling it here in my code. And so, dum, 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 invalid change made to a component of an active table key. Why did I get this error? Let's look at our definition of our table. I think this is the one we're working at here. And you will notice that, well, the key here is, is name. But when I modified record number one, it tried to overwrite the name in record number one with Tri-Cities Regional Airport, which would have done what to our sorted table? Duplicate records is problematic because we are violating, it's no longer now a unique key, but what else is problematic about this? We're screwing up the sort order. So that's what's going on here that's problematic. So let me, for the sake of this example, let's change this to a standard table. And let's, we can no longer have a unique key. So now we just have with key name, okay? So we have now removed sort order from the equation. And we also have said that our keys no longer have to be unique. Yes, ma'am. Sure. The, let me see if I can undo this. The, the scenario before, we had a sorted table. And in a sorted table, we have unique keys based on name. Okay? So if I go back here, this would be a very, very bad design decision. But let's assume I said that this last name field was my unique key. And so essentially what I did is I've got Bob Smith up here already and I loaded up my work area with Phil Smith, age 45 in Florida, and I, I'm going to try and put him in, in record number five, let's say. Well, now I no longer have unique keys. So that would undermine the integrity of my table. And so that caused it to have a runtime error. So I violated the standard, it's not a database table, but the same kind of integrity issues you'd have with a database table. So I elected to solve it here by saying, okay, I, I don't want to have unique keys. Well, if I don't want to have unique keys, now I, I have to reevaluate the kind of table I want, and so we're just going to move it to a standard table now. So we have a standard table. Name is still the key, but, but name is not unique. Let's see what happens here. So notice the very first record has that XXX record. I don't know what was there before, but it's gone. But my point that I wanted you to also notice is it says Tri-Cities Regional Airport. My intent, it seems from looking at the code, was to modify the ID of the first record, but probably not the other stuff. So how do I fix that? And that's the syntax we're looking at right here. If I say modify itables airport index one from val, and then I say transporting, 
and I specify what field I want involved in this modification, and the only field I want is the ID field. So now when I run this, we see that my ID on the first record did change to XXX, but my location still says Acapulco, Mexico, and my time zone wasn't changed. So the, the point I'm trying to make, and we'll see this in a lot of different contexts when working with databases, I have to be very, very careful that I understand what fields are going to be affected and how I can control that. Notice with my transporting syntax here, I could specify multiple fields. I could say I want to update a given record and I want to change the first name, the age, and the state. And so I could list those fields and only those fields will be involved in the modification. Questions? Yes, sir. In the, in the sample code, I only changed the ID because that is all I transported. Why do we have Mexico? Because that was there before. It's kind of the equivalent of I went in here and there was an existing record and all I did was let's say change Bob to Phil, but Smith 72 in Tennessee are still there because they were there before and I didn't change them. Follow that? Here, here let me just show, show what's going on here. If I get rid of this modify statement, then you'll notice in our output here, the very first row is ACA, Acapulco, Mexico, UTC6. So after I introduce this line, I'm modifying record one, but I'm only modifying the ID. So that's why the other values stay there because they were unaffected by the modification statement. Does that make sense now? Okay. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I can do as, I can list as many as I want. I, I can't do a, a star there, but I wouldn't need a star. If I want a star, then I just take off the transporting clause altogether. Yes, sir. Roger? There is, because we're talking an internal table, there is no rollback or equivalent. Now, when we're working with database tables, we do have rollback ability, but we don't have that. So I guess the one thing I would say is don't mess up, yeah. And this is one reason why I will very commonly work with something in the context of an internal table, make sure it's right, and then say, okay, now take that to the database table. But remember right now, all we're doing with the database table is populating our internal table. We're not sending any data back to the database table. Yes, ma'am. No, no. I mean, it's a good idea to be consistent, but um, no, there's no order uh, relevancy there. Yes, ma'am. As long as what I am not modifying is, okay, well, let's, let's, let's go back to our scenario here. 
because I, I'm, I'm, uh, it's, it's a good question. Let's go back to this being, well, a standard table, or I've got to make it a sorted table so I can get a unique key. Uh, sorted table of S airport with unique key name. Okay, so the name is the only thing that's a unique key here, right? So if I want to do exactly what we're doing here, that works fine because I haven't modified the key. Now, if I want to modify the key, which is name, as long as what I am changing it to would, would still be unique, I'm fine. So I could do, at least I believe that's the case, let's test it here, WA1-name equal Pitarisi Airport, which I'm pretty sure is not in the table at the moment here. And so transporting ID and name. Now let's see if it will let me do this. And you cannot modify to change either the primary key or an active secondary key. So the answer to your question is I cannot modify a key in this fashion. Okay. Which is the very next point here. Suppose I want to modify things based on a key value. At least this is related to the question here. Roger, you had a question? No, they are not separated by commas. So now I have just a single statement here. Modify table I table from WA. And notice what's missing. I don't say what I want modified, and I don't specify an index number, okay? So what's going on here? First of all, let me make sure that I have my code back in working order, and I need to get rid of this guy right here, and I need to get rid of this guy right here. All right, so the idea behind what I just said was, let's suppose I want to modify a record in my internal table, and my internal table already has a key field based on, based on name, all right? So let me create a scenario for you, and, and you tell me what code to write here. I want to read into my work area the record that is for the airport with the um, name. I'll tell you what, name is really clunky. I'm going to change this. I'm going to make the key field here ID. Okay? So I want to read from my database table where the ID is JFK into a record. Someone tell me what code I, I type to write that. Read, that's a good way to start. Okay, read. What? Read table. S airport. No, it's I table. S airport. Right? Have we covered this? Copies the table row into a specified data object. Um, read table, I table S airport um, with 
table key, and my table key is ID. ID equals JFK into WA1. Okay, so my work area now contains all the information from the JFK airport. You with me? All right, so now I'm going to do this. Now I am going to change one aspect of that work area. I'm going to say WA1-name equals, and I want to get this into my table somewhere, uh, Pitarisi Airport. So I have now, in my record, changed the name of JFK Airport to be Pitarisi Airport. And now I want to take that modified record and put it back in my, in my internal table. So that is the new syntax that we just looked at here on the slide. How do I do that? Modify table, I table, from WA. So, modify table, I table, S airport, from WA1. Now, how does it know which how does it know which record to change? It looks in work area 1 and finds the key field. The key field is ID. It looks for the record that has the same ID that it has in the work area, which is in fact the JFK record, and I know that because of line 25. It modifies the record in the internal table where the keys match up. Ah, thank you. That's the code that we were messing around with a moment ago. And so now, if we find JFK, right here, there's Pitarisi Airport. Okay? Now notice I, I could also do this if I really wanted to, uh, to uh, be egotistical. I could say WA1-ID equals um, Tri-Cities. We put that in there, right? I could, I could change my work area, and then after I change the work area, I could do the modification again. And so now, not only is JFK named Pitarisi Airport, but also there's the Tri-Cities Airport that has been modified as well. So what's going to happen here is I, in my brain, have to keep track of, okay, what's in my work area, and what is the key field of what's in my work area, and then I can make modifications to my work area, and then to send those modifications back to the internal table, I, I use the modify statement without any kind of index or otherwise specified, and it's going to match things up based on key field index value, key field values. We could also introduce transporting here. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So why is it when we change the WA1 ID, did it just change the ID from our read table statement to make that edit? 
So my read table pulled the record in based on the JFK record. And then I changed the name. But all the other information matches up with JFK, and I modified the internal table right here. The JFK record that I modified is still sitting in WA1. So now I just went in and, and manually changed the ID, which now matches up with a different record in the database table, or in the internal table. Follow that? Go here and I'll go here. The read operation only grabs one record. Okay, so let's, let's, let's draw a picture of this. All right, so, so here's my actual internal table at this point. And I have uh, what I have. We're going to ignore the mount field for right now. I have an ID field. I have a name field. And I have a UTC field. Okay? And we would all agree at this point that in that table we have a record with an ID of JFK, the name of, you know, I don't know what it is there, JFK Airport or whatever, and whatever the UTC is. We'll say UTC um, minus 5, which may or may not be it. So that was in our internal table. I pulled this down to, in my code, work area 1. So work area 1 now is holding JFK, whatever that name was, UTC minus 5. And that happened here on line 25 in my code. On line 27, I went in and said, let's change the name to Pitarisi Airport. And then on line 29, I said, okay, modify the internal table based on this work area. And it says to itself, okay, I've got to find the right record. And I find the record by matching up the IDs. ID here, JFK, matches ID here, JFK. So let's modify this record in the, in the internal table to match my work area, which results in Pitarisi Airport being put there. All right, then... On line 31, I go to my work area and change this to Tri-Cities. But notice the other information is still there unaffected. And now I say modify the internal table based on this work area. And it does the exact same operation. It says, OK, the key here is Tri-Cities. Let me find the record here that has Tri-Cities as the key and modify it accordingly. Okay? Yeah, the picture, and I would encourage you when you're writing programs, if things aren't working out the way you think they should, draw pictures like this. Um, pictures worth a thousand lines of code. I guess we can modify the old adage for, for that. Now there was another question. Yes, sir. Okay. So what line number? OK, line 31. So you want me to move this up here? Not a problem. What's going to happen now is I changed this to Pitarisi Airport. I changed this to Tri-Cities. 
And this time now, it's just going to go up and modify the Tri-Cities record, and, and the JFK record's totally unaffected. Because I only have, I believe now, um, well, actually, I have two consecutive modify statements, which don't have any intervening code, so it would just modify the same record twice. So in this case, JFK would be totally unaffected, and just Tri-Cities Airport would be changed. Keys are what I make the match with, okay? I'm hesitant to say they don't matter because in a way they're of primary mattering. Okay, and let's understand because what you've just said is a really, really important point. Suppose, all right, suppose I wanted to change the record for JFK the legitimate record for JFK with whatever text is there. And I want to take that and I want to modify it because the ID for JFK has now just changed to uh, JQK. Okay? How could I do that with the modify statement? Well, if you think about the logistics, we go in and we, we read the existing record into our work area. So now, down here in our work area, we have JFK and the text UTC minus five. And so we're saying we want to change that to JQK, so we write the line of code to change this to JQK. I execute my modify statement and what happens? There's no match, right? Because remember, what it's going to do is it's going to take this ID and it's going to look for a record in this table that matches up with that, and there is not one. So the point of this is, related to your question, is I cannot use this technique as it stands to change the key. I can use it to change any of the other fields, but I cannot change the key field using this technique. In this situation, the key fields are examined in WA, used to match a record. If there's more than one matching record, because that could happen if we don't have um, unique fields, only the first one found is actually modified, which might be problematic. And here's the last point there, key fields cannot be changed. So if we want to change key fields, we need a different technique. Questions? So before we forge ahead, how could I change a record where I want to change the key field if we said we can't modify? I could do the index, but then I have to know what number the record is, and I'm probably not going to know that in most instances. Okay, but I can't, I can't modify, so how could we solve this problem? 
I think you've got the right idea, although I think the steps are perhaps out of order. Let's say I wanted to do my modification of JFK. I could read it into my work area. I could modify my work area. I could delete this record out of my internal table and then insert this into the internal table. So it becomes a multi-step process. Okay, I've got to pull out the data and then at any point once I've pulled it out, I wipe it out of the internal table, make my modifications on the work area and stuff it back into the table. You should write that down because you will have to do that on your next homework assignment. And normally I let you guys have to figure that out on your own, but because of the question, I thought I should answer it. So how do I delete a row out of the internal table? We haven't talked about that. Um, that's the next thing. If I want to delete a row out of the internal table, uh, delete itable index n will let me delete a specified row number. But as you can imagine, it's very rare for you to know I want to do this to row 7 or row 5 or whatever. So typically we're going to do this based on key value pairs. And so delete table itable with table key, key equals value. This will delete a row, okay? So the same thing that happened before, um, we're now, you know, we're going to see it wiped out. So once again, this is where if I want to modify a record in the internal table and I need to modify the key, then what I'm going to have to do, pull it to, pull the values that I want from the work area or into the work area, delete the record out of the internal table, change the stuff in the work area, and most likely insert it back into my internal table. Notice that has the merit of if it's a sorted table, it preserves sort order, it, it kind of solves all of our issues in, in handling it in that fashion. If I want to delete multiple records from an internal table, I could do delete and then the name of the uh, table from and specify an index number. I could specify a two index number just like we observed before. I could specify both from and to. But then note this, and, and this is yet another ABAP thing that is, is challenging, okay? At the top of the slide, or near the top, notice where I say delete table I table with table key, key equals value. And I put that under delete A row. The last line on the slide is the same idea, but it does not have to be applied to the key field. And notice the heading above it says delete multiple rows matching the condition. Okay, so what am I talking about here? Well, let's play around with our internal table a little bit. And I'm going to get rid of all of our previous modifications and such. 
and our reads. And so all I have here is my, my internal table properly filled and, and Tri-Cities is inserted in. But apart from that, I've gotten rid of all of my, my modification-related code. There's, there's my internal table. So for whatever reason, the airport in, not, in Nashville has, has been closed. So I want to delete that airport. Well, what's my, my key field is that three-letter ID, which is BNA. Okay, so I could come back here and I could say uh, delete table I table S airport with table key ID equals BNA. So this should now wipe out the Nashville airport and, and you will notice it, it is now gone. Okay, so I deleted a, a single value. You might say, okay, I want to delete all of the airports that have UTC minus five as their time zone. And there, there are several of them here. Now, that is not a key field. Time zone is not a key field. So I can't say where table key equals time zone equals UTC minus 5. Okay, uh, if we try and, and run this, I'll just do a code check on this. It says, um, that's basically it's saying that's, that's not a, a key. Um, I, I can't do that. It's, it's looking for the key. So what if I do this? What if I come up here and say that my unique key is ID and I think we can do this, and time zone, okay? First of all, let, let's see if it will it'll let me make that change. And, and that's fine, okay? So now, will it let me delete from the table where the key, time zone, equals UTC minus five? And we run this, and it has a problem with that why does it have a problem with that? It has a problem with that because there are two keys here and I haven't specified both of them. All right, so I'm just playing around with this to show you different, you know, how this is actually going to be processed. If I make this a standard table and I make the key the time zone. Okay, so now that looks like it should work. And so now I run this. You can only use unique key. Where have I got unique? Oh, I meant to get rid of the word unique there. With, actually it needs to be non-unique key time zone. All right, it ran. And now let's scan through though. And I said to delete UTC minus five, right? Delete UTC minus five and there's a UTC minus five, and there's a UTC minus five. Um, it, it didn't delete all the UTCs minus five. And the answer is, it went out there and deleted the first one. But here's the really fun thing about it. 
it did not necessarily delete what we would think of as the first one because I'm pretty sure that it wiped out our good friend Tri-Cities Airport because, oh no, we're still in there. It, it went out and it found one of them and the first one it hit, it, it deleted it. So this is not the technique to use when you want to delete all of the things that match the record. The syntax here, and it's, you know, this is what I was saying before, this is annoying because the syntax is similar, but they have very different actual meanings. Delete, and then my internal table, where field name equals value. So I've gotten rid of a lot of the keywords that were there before. And so let, let's look at this now. So now I would say delete itable s airport where time zone equals UTC minus 5. And that change in syntax has now wiped out all of the UTC minus fives in the internal table. So the reason why I am belaboring this point, and I realize we're moving pretty slow at this point, but the reason is there's a lot of just really subtle differences and if you're not careful you could write a program that when you look at it, it, it looks right but you use the wrong version of the lead statement and so it's not deleting everything. Or you only wanted it to do one and now a whole bunch of things are changed. So it's very, very important when we start working with internal tables and even when you look in the documentation for particular keywords that you be attentive to what it says about this is going to do all of the records or it's only going to do one of the records and make sure you use the appropriate one. All right, questions? No. There you go. So I added line 25. So I deleted from that internal table all of the records where the time zone was equal to UTC minus five. And as a point of fact, I could go back now in this situation just to make this look like what we're doing before, I, I could go back to making this a sorted table and I could go back to it having a unique key and I could go back to having the key be ID because this delete is not in any way tied to the key fields. And here's my list of airports in my sorted table, but all the ones that match up with UTC minus five are are no longer present. Questions? All right, we covered this slide on the loop, at, and loop statement. So next up, I talked to you about the insert statement before, and we observed that we could use the insert statement to insert a record back into an internal table. Well, there are other variations on the insert statement. Suppose I wanted to copy rows in one internal table to another internal table. You'll notice here 
insert lines of my first internal table and then a set of conditions into iTable2 and then uh, a condition. Okay, so what, what's going on here? All right, so I'm going to come here and I'm going to do this. Um, this code down here at the bottom, I'm just going to get it out of our way because we're not really using it anyhow. And I'm going to copy this line right here and make, make iTable S Airport 2. Exactly the same. But my select is only going to populate iTable S Airport, the original one. All right, so I'm going to do all the stuff we did before. We'll still put Tri-Cities in there. I'm going to get rid of this deletion right here. And what I want to do now is I want to move into iTables S Airport 2 only the records for the airports with the time code uh, UTC, what was it, minus, minus 5? Is that what we've been playing around with here? Okay, so insert lines of iTable S Airport, and I don't have the full syntax on the slide here, so I don't know why I didn't do that, but where um, time underscore zone equals UTC minus 5 into iTable S Airport 2. And it does not like that, so don't write that down yet. I've got my when all else fails, let's go to help. I think it is. There's a period right there. Yeah. Okay, insert internal table, insert line spec, insert lines of, I just, I like to look at example code, insert lines, all right, it's index from, oh, I can't, I showed you where, but using key interesting from to using key ID into let's let's leave let's not talk about this in detail right now except we could do this um, insert lines of I table s airport one or s airport into I table s airport two this is now just going to copy that whole internal table yes ma'am Okay, I will give it a shot. Um, so that would be time underscore zone 
equals, yeah, it's starting to not look good, UTC minus 5. Oh, well, for a second there, it did it. But, yeah, I, there's, there's some, some magic here that I am missing. And, um, you know, and, and it, it's, uh, it did talk about using key. What was the SID that I closed? I probably closed that up. Um, there's this uh, line spec. Using key, key name, but that doesn't, it's not letting me set the value, I don't think. So let's, let's, let's just skip over this, this slide right now, um, and we'll, we'll come back to it at some point in the future. That is pretty much all of the, if you will, the primitive operations associated with an internal table. And let's just kind of, in our mind, go through a checklist. We talked about how to pull stuff out of an internal table into a work area. And, and what's, the, what's the primary keyword that starts the line of code that lets us do that? It's a read. So we can use the read statement to pull a record from an internal table into a, into a work area. If we want to get rid of a record in the internal table, what's the keyword that lets us do that? Delete, okay? If we have something in our work area that we want to add to the internal table, there are potentially two keywords that'll do that for us. What are they? Now, let me repeat. If I have something in work area and I want to add it to the internal table, append and insert. And remember, the idea here is insert works with any old kind of internal table. Append, because it tacks on to the end, only works with a standard table. But insert works with any of them. And if I want to change a record in the internal table, based on something that is happening in my work area, what's the keyword that lets me do that? Transport could come into play, but that's not the, the initial keyword there. What's that? Modify. Modify. Okay? So if you think about it, I think we've, we've kind of covered all of the different primitive operations there. Now, we also talked about the technique for looping through the table. Okay, and the only place we've done that in our code so far is to loop through the table and, and actually print this out. Okay, but realize that in that loop, there could be other things that we could do. Um, we could be looking at a value there. I, I could do something like this. Here, let, let's do this just to play, play around here. Um, I can't modify the key, right? But, but watch this. This will be nice and fun. I'm going to loop at my internal table, and I, I'm going to introduce, I'm going to have two loops here just to illustrate my code and to not, um, not change anything before. So I'm going to loop at internal table, and then uh, I'm going to, I, so I have a record in my work area one, right? So I'm going to say work area one dash name equals Pitarisi Airport, and then I'm going to say 
and I want to make sure I get the code right because I've been getting the code wrong here on the last simple slide on the last slide. And so now what I want to do, and I'm looking for it out here. So now I'm going to do modify uh, table i table s airport from wa1 I'll just comment that guy out okay if it accepts this code what 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 have I just done here okay I have changed the name of every airport to Pitarisi Airport if it will let me do this syntax check Okay, uh, ITAMS Airport does not have a key equals. Oh, that's the code that we were messing around with a second ago. I forgot to delete it. All right, save, syntax check. So there we go. We have renamed the name of every airport in the world to Pitarisi Airport, which is good for my ego, but probably bad for accuracy and probably bad for passengers getting to the place they want to go. Okay? So, what's that? Yes, it's, it's very consistent. I'll give it that. Yeah, no matter what airport, you're like, I'm here. Okay, so, you know, my point is we can do things inside that loop at other than just writing out the table. But writing out the table is a pretty common thing for us to do. I'm showing you here, uh, obviously, a very, very, uh, uh, you know, particular, silly example of this. But it's to illustrate the point that inside that loop, other things are, are possible. Okay? Any questions? The very next thing, that, uh, the last thing that rounds out your uh, slide set here is the ABOP dictionary. And it doesn't make sense for us to start into that with four minutes of class time left. Um, so this is a good breaking point. Um, we will come back together on Monday and talk about the ABOP dictionary. And I do want to put some things on the ABOP dictionary on your midterm exam. So the things we cover on Monday will still be on the midterm exam, but it would be just from this same slide set that we are working our way through right now. All right. Have a good day, everyone. I don't know where the sign-in sheet wound up, but um, if you did not sign in, please 